This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID, the smart choice for MDL implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant and UL certified for all transaction modes. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AnvaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Anva community. Now celebrating our 90th anniversary. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome everyone. This week I'm joined again with a familiar voice and guest on our Invocast, Paul Steyer, our Director of Vehicle Programs. Paul, welcome back for uh, another conversation. Great. Thank you, Ian. It's always a privilege to be able to spend some time with you. Thank you. Paul, I wanted to chat with you this week with a conversation that's been bubbling up more with some members around developments in electronic odometer disclosure. Um, you know, more specifically, there was, it was a big deal a few years ago when NHTSA passed a rule that allowed for jurisdictions to accept an electronic odometer disclosure and theoretically, and I'm, we'll explain why I'm saying theoretically in a moment, not having to require um, pen on paper when someone was disclosing their, their odometer. And I think what we're learning is this, this transition out of the way we've operated for many decades with signing a piece of paper to um, what could be a all-electronic world is going to take some more steps in between to get there than I think maybe we appreciated when we first announced, hey, we got electronic odometer disclosure. So, you know, why don't you take me back to, you know, what what do we what are we starting to understand now that it's not flicking a switch, maybe the way we thought it would be? Yeah, no, I, that's a great start. Ian. I, you know, I was with the state of Iowa when the whole talk come out that NHTSA was going to address the electronic signature, which would then move us. You know, we would just jump forward right into this a whole electronic titling and that would open up the door for us to get away from all this paper. And, and um, just the last year, our vehicle standing committee came forward and said, you know, um, that 2019 uh, Federal Register rule helps if you have a fully 100% electronic title, electronic application, electronic odometer disclosure. But they said it's going to be years before we actually are all set up with that process. But in the meantime, we want to be able to do things electronically with our customers. And of course, COVID really pushed that envelope. We want to be able to take documents in electronically. We want to be able to transfer information electronically and, and accept digital signatures. But the 2019 rule doesn't really talk about hybrid. So then do we revert back to the Truth and Malley Act from the 70s that says eight signatures on paper documents? You know, where do we go in this in this world. So that's what led us to say, okay, we need to really think about some guidance to help our members and industry because industry is impacted by this too, right? I mean, our car dealers, our auctions, they're trying to move information electronically and they can't if we're still having to rely on the pen on the paper and FedEx and, you know, mail documents back and forth. So that's what led us to say, okay, this, what we call a hybrid approach, which means, electronic signatures still being applied to physical documents and what's acceptable or what's not acceptable is that was the task that we were that we were set out to to accomplish uh, with that mission and so you've been having these conversations we've been having these conversations with NHTSA in particular to try to understand what are the guardrails 
of what is acceptable and what's not acceptable. And do we have answers or are we at a place where we have more questions than answers? Still? Well, this is, this is great, Ian, because I, being an old investigator, I'd love to dig in to try to find the facts about, you know, how did we get to where we're at today? And that's really what our, we had a subgroup of members of the vehicle standing committee that said, Hey, I'll, they'll volunteer to help us research this. So we got Marcy Coleman, our, our vehicle program manager to help. And uh, Vivian Cameron, Ryan Kahn with AMBA just jumped in to help and said, let's start researching. So we, you know, we went back to the Truth and Mileage Act. You know, what's that say about signatures? We went back to some interpretations that we found from NHTSA dating back to the early 2000s that were interpretations uh, regarding this very question, uh, digitally applied signatures to physical doc documents. Uh, we went, we even... Um, which was interesting, and not many of us knew much about the Federal E-Sign Act from 2000. It was a little unknown um, uh, act that came about that some jurisdictions knew a little about, but not many of us knew much about at all. And so we started to research that. And in our review of their interpretations from NHTSA, NHTSA specifically pointed to the Federal E-Sign Act to say that electronic signatures for, a, for an odometer statement, be it a physical odometer statement, electronic signatures would be acceptable by the Federal E-Sign Act. And, and when we saw that, we said, well, okay, we need to, this really is talking about the hybrid approach, physical documents, electronic signatures, right? So that's where, when we started putting this research together, we started really, you know, seeing some light to say, maybe there is guidance already there. We just got to put it together. And so that's really what this group has been doing is compiling together, which led us then to a meeting we had um, a month and a, a, little, a little over a month ago with NHTSA to say, here's what we found so far. So when, when you say, an electronic signature on a physical document. Tell, tell me more what that means for those who may not, you know, be putting those pieces together. Are we talking about e-signing a PDF that has become a common thing now? I mean, what, what does that mean to put an electronic signature yes. on a physical document? That's a great question because there's, I think if you line up 100 people and ask them, they'd all have a different example, right? They'd all have a different answer. And what what our members, what our frontline DMV motor vehicle agency title staff are seeing is they're seeing physical documents being mailed to their office, uh, dropped off at their office. Uh, maybe they have an electronic vehicle registration system where documents are being uh, captured electronically, scanned, scanned in electronically, and then sent to their office. And so they're looking at these odometer statements, specifically the, the uh, odometer statement, and they're trying to figure out, is the signature that's applied to that, is that done by a pen with ink? Or is that just uh, an image of a signature? And so that's typically what we're talking about, Ian, is an image of a signature being applied electronically to a maybe a back of a title to the odometer disclosure area, or maybe a separate odometer statement, maybe a power of attorney. Um, and so it's it's um, somebody taking a signature that's been captured electronically and then physically applying it to a physical document. Uh, I should say electronically applying it to that physical document. And then and then now I've got this physical document, but 
it looks like the signature is not done with ink. It looks like it's been applied, you know, it's been printed onto that document. And that's where our members have said, can we accept it? Um, because the old school of thought was, you know, ink is, ink is the, uh, the standard of the day. And we know now that that's not necessarily the case. And it is, even though that these are jurisdiction-specific transactions or the jurisdiction rules, because of the Truth and Mileage Act, it's still NHTSA's area of regulation. They're the ones who get to decide whether or not states can accept this. That's right. And 580, you know, 49 CFR 580 of our, of our Code of Federal Rules uh, regulations really, really spells this out. And, and it, it's very, you know, it very clear with definitions, uh, you know, regarding what a signature means. Uh, and so those are the kind of things that we've really been relying on to help us as this subgroup has been researching this, uh, and the, which is what brought us then to meet with NHTSA recently to talk about, you know, here's what the definitions under the Code of Federal Regulations say, here's your interpretations, here's what we believe should be our guidance going out to our membership based on that. And um, that's kind of where we're at today. Yeah. And did we get any answers in that meeting? So we're, so what we did was we met with their legal counsel. I mean, they they assembled a great team there at NHTSA when we met with them. And uh, we shared with them, kind of walked them through from A to Z, all of our research uh, from our subgroup. Uh, walked, we talked about the, the, the Code of Federal Regulations, you know, what the definitions say. And we said, here's what our findings indicate uh, as related to the eSign Act. Uh, as relates to the NHTSA interpretations. And we really believe that the hybrid approach is, is acceptable from a federal standpoint, right? Just like you said, Ian, each jurisdiction has its own specific rules and laws regarding digital signatures and, and odometer statements. But from a federal standpoint, um, we really believe that, that we've got some really valuable guidance. And I, I can share with you that the NHTSA team that we met with did not refute did not dispute what our findings were um, and so we're to a point today where we're documenting this in a formal in a formal guidance document and uh, you know with with references to all the the rules codes interpretations that we discovered um, and we're compiling that right now in fact marcy coleman our, our program manager is working on compiling that with our intent is to deliver it to nitsa to have them review it give us any feedback, and then so we can move it forward uh, with our membership, which is, I know our Vehicle Standing Committee is extremely excited to be able to see that because they know for many, many years, this hybrid approach is going to be the common tool used to, uh, to transfer vehicles. And again, that hybrid approach being putting a digital signature on a physical document. That's right. That's right. Because, you know, and, and it really is important, Ian, that we understand there's two distinct issues going on. One is if a jurisdiction decides to build an entire electronic titling system that that is entirely uh, digital elements, it's not, it's not documents scanned in that I'm filling in blanks. It's actually digital data that I'm putting in. That's one thing, right? And that's where the 2019 uh, Federal Register and ANITSA rules really applies. You talk about the NIST Level 2 standards for signatures. Um, so that's one area. But this area very clearly is back to the 1970s with physical paper and Truth and Mileage Act. But with current technology, 
where where a customer can sign a document and be thousands of miles away from a dealer, for example, and still be able to make the transaction without physically having to mail things to each other, or, you know, or or ship documents to each other. Right. So it's it's it helps everybody because it gets commerce moving quicker. Um, it's secure. Uh, obviously, there's things in place yet to verify identities and things when a dealer makes a transaction. But uh, we really believe there's some real benefit and value by, by more clearly defining what we mean by a hybrid approach and what's acceptable. And it's something like that when we think about the actual practice. Is it something as simple as you're starting with a physical document, so you're scanning that document in, you're sending it off to somebody, they are electronically signing it, whether that is a digital signature or the digital sign feature and something like on an Adobe PDF and then resaving that file and then shipping it, shipping it, emailing it, if you will, back to somebody who then is maybe then printing it out and bringing that physical document into the DMV. To the DMV. So, so, and there again, even, even to that statement there, Ian, there's some nuances because if you think of like a, a digital signature that, um, that may not actually represent your actual signature, but it says, you know, on this date and time, uh, this identity had signed to this, right? Um, many or some would say, well, that's not really a definition of a signature because it's a it, it's a digital, right? Right, and so that that's that that kind of brings you more into brings you more into the NIST standards. That's right, versus versus somebody actually signing it with a digital digitizer pen, you know, those kind of things. So we, we've, we've also had to address that because the definition of signature in the Code of Federal Regulations, you know, talks about signing a, signing a document as a representative of what your actual signature looks like, right? Which would be di different than like a digital stamp uh, of a date and time of one signed, right? So... Um, there's certainly some nuance, especially with technology we have today. And there's a lots of things that can be done, you know, with those signatures. Okay. Well, I assume this has come up because we've got jurisdictions that are in all different places. Some have started to accept certain things. Some are saying no to certain things. And I imagine we're starting to gather that the members are all on a somewhere different on this wide spectrum right now. You're exactly right. You know, and many state, many jurisdictions, uh, many of them have passed laws to allow government to operate with elect, accepting electronic signatures for a variety of, of reasons. And it doesn't restrict, you know, that many of those laws don't say except for the odometer statement, but yet, as you mentioned before, you know, that odometer statement is regulated by NHTSA, by, by, by federal law. And so that comes into play when you have state laws that say we can accept digital processes, electronic signatures, but you have this, this, this unknown, this mystery of, well, what's acceptable for the, this specific odometer statement. And that's, that's really where our members have said, boy, we could sure use some help. And, and our stakeholders, you know, when I say members, I mean, you know, our jurisdiction DMVs and our, all of our associate members who are doing work with our motor vehicle agencies that want to be able to do work through electronic means that, that now are finding some real challenges. And as you said, each jurisdiction is at a different step in the process. And so some may accept uh, a signature a certain way and some may not. And so we obviously we aren't a regulatory body, but we think the guidance will be a great help that jurisdictions can turn to or stakeholders can turn to 
as a just a, as a way to provide them some information and some basis to which to make their decisions, you know, on as well. You know, we talk about stakeholders. This new emerging area has opened up doors to new and different stakeholders that maybe in decades past weren't in a conversation around titling and odometer disclosure. And it's a, you know, a right. industry almost, if you will, around the movement of electronic documents and electronic signatures. How has that helped shape the conversation, the type of guidance we're, we're trying to put together? You, you know, you look at like uh, I just recently attended the Electronic Signatures and Records Association meeting, you know, the Ezra group and, and that whole electronic signature world, you know, a lot of times focused on notaries and notarizing documents. And of course, notaries now is moving electronically. A lot of that can be done electronically. It's done virtually. And so that whole community um when I attended that meeting, you know, we're all like, we're all in this together because um, they have a vested interest. Those businesses that provide means of, of either capturing information electronically, uh, applying information electronically to documents, you know, they've got a vested interest in, in working with our, our motor vehicle agencies to, and working with our motor vehicle dealers, uh, floor planners, lenders, uh, you know, we're, like I said, we're all in this together. And so it brings in a lot of other players that have experience with digital media, with transferring information digitally, with capturing information, with being able to read uh, digital information you know, on physical documents, being able to read that and be able to share that information more quickly. Um, so it's really, to me, it's been very fascinating to see how this world has evolved and how you know, even our conferences now, we're, we're seeing associate members come that in the past may never really realize that they had a, a role in the motor vehicle transactions, but now are realizing that they're right in the middle of it because motor vehicle agencies are looking for methods, tools, um, you know, processes to help move this information more, more efficiently. And many of these companies and associate members have tools and resources to help them do that. And I would imagine as you go to something like ESRO uh, or you talk to some of these companies, you know, it, it sometimes it makes me kind of laugh because I got to imagine they are dealing with the electronic processes around things that, let's be honest, are far more substantial and far more, I don't know what the word is, you know, have, you know, greater consequence yeah, exactly. than like an adult. Yes. That's right. Yeah. So, so you for some of these other use cases, it seems like maybe it should be an easier leap than it's been to tell you how many miles. Are. Yeah, you're exactly <laughs> right, Ian. You think of like the mortgage, the home mortgage industry, the banking industry. Think of all the online banking and the digital banking that we do today. Uh, I think of the things that I've done now that before I had to physically have an appointment to go to a bank, you know, have time set aside, take an afternoon off work. And now I can sit at home and do this. And, and you're talking about mortgages, you know, that are, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And yet we're sitting here as a group talking about this one document uh, for odometer statement. Now, mind you, it could be for a vehicle that's worth tens of twenties, you know, thousands of dollars. But yet it's one document that one would think, well, it should be pretty simple, right, to be able to make this happen. But there's a lot there's a lot to it. It's just, um, it's not such a simple, when you start looking at all the variables and then you start looking at, you know, there's federal, federal regulations with this, 
well, we all want to make sure that that we're doing what we need to be doing properly. And uh, and that there again, that's why our members rely on AMBA to help navigate some of that and provide some guidance so they can take it back to their legal staff and make some determinations on processes and moving forward. I know we have several jurisdictions that are waiting to move their processes forward until they see some of this guidance to help them make some decisions on how they want to be able to you know, adjust processes in the future. And, and of course, COVID really pushed our members to um, you know, really start looking at doing things more online and, and more digitally. And as some of them have started to do things and maybe are just moving forward, do, do we have any advice for them on what they should do for now while they wait for this guidance? Well, you know, and I've had several reach out to me, Ian, and I've provided them some really helpful insight. Because what, what I've basically provided those that have reached out to this point to say, hey, here is, here is information to give to your legal counsel in your jurisdiction that they can start reviewing. Um, because they're going to need to review that anyway. What, if we come out with guidance, I would still expect a jurisdiction's legal counsel to do their own homework as well, right? And to match it up and make sure that their consensus is, is matching ours. And so that's what, that's what we've done. So if we have members reach out to say, can you give us some specifics on what interpretations, what rules, what laws are you looking at? Um, those are some things that we can help people with now. Because, you know, we're, we're hoping that um, we can get this to NHTSA fairly quickly. And then, um, you know, obviously we'll, we'll visit with our board and our, and our leadership about, uh, you know, where that guidance goes and how we present that. But for the time being, certainly members can reach out to myself, to Marcy Coleman, um, and uh, certainly we can help the, share with them some of the inf basic information, the background information we have, so they can get it to their legal, legal team to start researching. Because let's, let's be honest, between wanting to collaborate with NHTSA, which we want to do, we want this to be a real joint guidance that is everybody is bought into um, and then the internal kind of vetting and approval process that we do with our documents it's likely going to be you know sometime fall or you know right. towards the end of the calendar year before we're going to be able to get out a, a document right is that That's kind right. of fit in the time you're thinking? i think you're exactly right Ian. and i'll share with you nitsi has been extremely supportive um they very clearly do not want to stand in the way of progress they they very, very clearly articulated to us that they do not want to be a hindrance to, you know, the transfer of ownership of vehicles. You know, obviously clearly want to make sure the laws rules are followed, but if, if there's ways that we can help educate our members, uh, our stakeholders to best utilize the laws, the rules, and the processes and technology we have to expedite transfer of ownership, and do it so we can prevent fraud, we can prevent um, mistakes and problems from happening, then I think we're, we're clearly all in this together. And I think, um, like I said, NHTSA was very happy to hear that we were willing to work on some guidance uh, because it, it, it provides them an opportunity to refer uh, people that call them, uh, right? Because other documents, I can think of an example, we, we developed the uh, importation guidelines document a year or two ago. And there's many times that NHTSA refers customers that call them to that document for, for input. And I, I anticipate this being the same thing. And I think it'll help NHTSA as well as us and, and, and all of our stakeholders. Well, Paul, thanks for spending some time chatting about it today. Um, it's been an area of some confusion gray area for so yeah. many. So I'm glad we're tackling it. And even while we wait the guidance, know that folks can reach out to you, to Marcy, and get some information to at least help them in the interim. 
Yeah, great. And, and Ian, I can't thank our members, uh, our vehicle standing committee, our members enough for being willing to take this on. As you know, dealing with laws, rules, interpretations can be very challenging at times. And I thank our members for for saying, you know what, we need to find some solutions and let's just jump in and, and, and go and, and take this on. So I, I really applaud them for being willing to jump in and help out. So and thank you, Ian, for the opportunity to share this. I think it'll help um, all of our members uh, with you know moving this process forward. Absolutely. I have a feeling in about another four to six months, perhaps you will be back talking about the actual guidance document yeah, and absolutely. walking What's can't available? Wait. I can't. I can't wait, Ian. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Paul. Thank you all for listening this week. As always, thanks to our producers Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Till next week, everyone. Stay well. Thank you for joining us for Amvacast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.